This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, May 9, 2023. And if you're looking at the market or paying attention at all, you know it's not doing very well. It's not doing terrible either. It's just not doing well. And it has performed poorly over the last year and four months, four months and nine days or so. And I do think, and you know, I've been telling you constantly that I don't think it's going to do great until the end of the year. Maybe we'll start a a rally. That's what I think. But no one really knows. No one ever really knows where the market's going to go. I'm just basing it on my own personal experience over the decades I've been doing this. Here's what you also got to realize. Okay, investing in the stock market requires you to look forward, not backwards, forward. Too many people are looking backwards, thinking the same stocks that worked before are going to work again going forward. Well, some of those stocks will, but industries, the the leaders of the market, the sectors change. Okay, and we are looking at an environment that does not favor favor growth over value. Value is more favored in a high interest rate, high inflationary inflationary environment. That doesn't mean go all growth stocks are terrible. You should avoid them. No, I'm just saying in general, what sector works better and what time frames and how the what the economic background is. I'm Steve Peasley. And I'm here today on the radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategy decisions. That's what we do here. I look forward to do it. I look forward to your questions, and I'm hoping that you'll give me a call and ask many questions. For those who are new to the show, to Invest Talk, I try to provide unbiased, uh, straight answers. I have no agenda or hidden agenda that favors one thing over another. I don't have that. Don't you know? I don't ever have that. Justin and I were very careful about that, and I think we can say we all are here to learn. We, you know, I don't exclude myself. That's for sure, and because there's so many variables that affect the market in different ways all the time, and you can have the same set of variables, and the market could act differently than it did before. It's it's a very difficult thing to be consistent. You know what you can be consistent with is buying good, solid companies. You can do that. It's not that hard. Okay? And you don't have to take huge risks to be successful in the stock market. You don't. So, in other words, this is a lesson, a, show that we, a lesson that we provide on every show every day. So, we want to shape your thinking to be better and more successful investors. That's it. It's pretty simple. So, to do that, you got to call... We got we answer questions. 888-99 charters our number, 888-992-4278. And of course I got material on this podcast that we gotta go over. My focus point, for instance, today is withdrawal rates in retirement. We're gonna talk about withdrawal rates and, and whether they can be dynamic versus static. 
And I'll explain when we get to that point of the show, the focus point. Okay, because you really, it's 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 amazing how much you, if you be more, uh, you be more dynamic, you'll be able to withdraw more. You might not end up after thirty years having more money, but you could have a more comfortable retirement. Anyways, I also have voice bank questions to play. When someone wants to talk about the dollar, someone wants to talk about FRC forest products exports. And I'm also be able to put in a iTunes review question. And of course it's Trivia Tuesday, so you know I have a trivia question halfway through the show. And this one's going to be about potential job prospects looking ahead five years. Again, that's halfway through the podcast here. So I've got all this planned for this episode of the podcast. And, of course, I will take live calls, 888-99-CHART. And I, and I do have my own uh, – I have another short list of things I want to talk about. The SEC is coming down hard on crypto, crypto exchanges – U.S. lenders warned that commercial property is the next shoe to drop. Remember, I talked about that. I've been talking about it for a while. So um, I'm not the only one. Financial Times had an article that talked about that. And did you see that Apple raises uh, money, issues $5.25 billion issuing bonds? Some of the 30-year bonds. There's five, five parts to the bond issuance. Okay, so I want to talk about that too. You know they don't need the money, right? They don't need it, but it might be useful to them. The market today was down. The Dow was down 57, the Nasdaq down 77, and the SP was down 19. So there's what's happening in the market today. 888-99-CHART is our number, and let's go ahead and go to our first voicemail. Hey, Stephen, Justin, it's Art from Tucson. I'm looking at a... Uh small cap building products company called Apogee Enterprises, Inc., A-P-O-G. Uh, it's in a bit of a downtrend right now. Looks like it, um, it might be a good company with good future prospects. Wondering what you think about it and uh, if now is a good time to buy or if we should wait for a further pullback. Thanks, and I'll listen on the podcast. I don't like it at this time. It's a good company. You're right. You're 100% right. Apogee Enterprises, APOG. Why don't I like it? It's out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Manufactures glass, aluminum window, and curtain wall for commercial institutional buildings. That's why. Commercial institute buildings. Remember, one of my talking points is U.S. lenders warned that commercial property is next. This is the next shoe to drop. And I've been talking about that. This company is a good, solid company. Low P.E. ratio. They're going to make $4.03 this year. They're a $39 stock. They're going to make $3.98 next year. So that means the P.E. is under 10 or right around 10. Five-year range is 5 to 23, so it's not at its lowest. Return equity is very good at 23%. Very good cash flow at almost $6. Management owns 2%. Mutual funds are slowly buying it over the last year. Not a lot of debt and still growing sales, even though the growth of sales was only 5% in the most recent quarter. Uh, not, it was higher before that. And But again, 
commercial real estate is the problem. It's going to have problems because interest rates are so high and the banking industry has started to, you know, collapse. Well, I don't want to say collapse. Has shrunk, has had lots of problems of recent. So they've gotten much tighter on their standards. So, I mean, so the, the, the and, and then you add in COVID and many workers not returning to, to the office and these, and these commercial buildings are half empty. So wouldn't that hurt a company that makes aluminum glass and aluminum windows and curtain wall for commercial institution buildings? Yeah. So no, I, I think the prospects are not good right now for this, this stock. Okay. Thanks for the call though. We're going to do a quick break and please remember that you can call anytime and leave your question on the Invest Talk Voice Bank or if you're listening via live, you know, live streaming or on AM 1220 radio in the Bay Area. You can call now, 888-99-CHART. When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap because there's a lot of regulatory risk. Here. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99CHART. Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Matt from Chicago, long-time listener and uh, appreciating some of this California sunshine in Chicago we've got this weekend. Question, I've got a very small position in First Republic Bank, and um, now that it's pretty much tanked down to zero, but it hasn't been delisted yet, I'm wondering if there's a smart move in terms of do I unload it before it hits zero, wait for it to get delisted, my primary concern is I want to position myself to claim this as a loss in my 2023 tax return. And uh, I know you can't give formal tax advice, but what's the smart move in a position where a stock is going to be delisted? Appreciate any thoughts you can share on it. Thanks. Well, from a ta- this is First Republic Bank, a uh, holding company for First Republic Bank. And this new symbol is FRCB, not FRC, because it's in bankruptcy. And it moved from $100 down to $0.43. Cents. So it's, you know, it's bankrupt. 
uh, if you want to realize a loss, you sell it. If it goes to zero, usually you can call up your brokerage house and they'll buy all your shares for a dollar so you can realize the loss. But you have to realize that loss before you can take it as a loss against your taxes or apply it to any gains that you might have made. Okay, but the bank, the, the, you know, I, I'd probably just go ahead and sell it, move on, because you still, you know, trading for 43 cents a share, you know, whether you can get 43 cents or 40 cents or 20 cents, I don't know. Um, but I would probably, I'd exit the bank. I don't, I don't see a lot of hope for it, really. So there's no reason to hold on to it. Okay, FRCB, everybody. Um, let's see. When people take time to leave an Investop podcast review on iTunes, iTunes, we like to thank them. And by doing that, we are we try to get to their question quickly. Okay, this is from Text TK. My question involves my question involves Upstart Holdings about. Uh, about Upstart Holdings, it may not be the best company for the current environment. I remember hearing Steve mention he liked the stock a few months ago in response to another college question. I just wanted to revisit the stock and get an updated view of the company now and their prospects moving forward. So it's UPST is the symbol. Uh, and the stock has fallen very hard from its high of three four hundred. A per share in 2021 today is at $14.09. Upstart Holdings provides a cloud-based AI lending platform shared between consumers and lenders to enable effortless credit. So they're going to make $0.70 cents next year after losing $1.17 this year. They made $0.21 cents a share last year. So I don't remember talking about it. I do like the fact that management owns 19% of the company. That's a that's a pretty it's a 1.1 billion dollar company and it looks like it's fallen hard. Funds own 25% and they sold off over the last year about half half of them sold it off and that's why it fell so hard. But it, why I probably suggested it's possible it looks like it's bottom and uh, I, I think I think it, that's yeah. It looks like it's put in a bottom to me, right around twelve seventy, twelve dollars. You know, uh, I think that's the bottom. It's at fourteen oh nine now. Um, so it's been flopping around here. It got up to eighteen dollars last month. Now it's down to fourteen. So um, I just think that if you have patience, this is a possible stock to throw some money at uh, but it's still not cheap with 70 cents a share that's a 20p looking forward so it's not 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 cheap okay okay but i do like where they are a uh, artificial intelligent lending platform i like that we'll take a break i'm here ready and inviting your questions invest talk 888-99 chart Justin Klein and Steve Beasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions. Call Investor 888-99-CHART. Okay, uh, let's talk about the focus point right now. And it's all concerning a variable 
withdrawal rate versus a static withdrawal rate in retirement. Static means, you know, a set rate through 4%. Withdraw 4% every year out of your retirement account, and chances are very good you won't run out of money. Almost, almost guaranteed that you won't, depending on how you invest the money. Okay, and that's important. But what if you wanted to, but you, let me phrase that. There is different systems with variable withdrawal rates. For instance, there's one called the guardrails strategy, uh, and I kind of like it. And what do, do these variable strategies have? What's the benefit of them? Well, the payoff is that you can start withdrawing higher rates, okay, depending on your portfolio. They've been tested and everything else. For instance, if you started a 50% equity and a 50% bond portfolio, which is very similar to our balanced income portfolio, the average safe starting withdrawal rate for a 30-year horizon with a 90% probability of success is 5.3%, not 4 And, you know, and you, you will probably never run out of money. Okay, chances are extremely high. Okay. Uh, also, let's say you wanted you wanted eighty percent stocks, then the withdrawal rate would be five point six instead of five point three. What if it's ninety five point nine? Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, um, five point nine uh, six point three would be ninety percent. Five point nine would be eighty percent in stocks. So the more you put in stocks, the higher starting rate you will be. Now, what's the difference? When the market goes up, you get to raise the, the withdrawal rate by 10% every year. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, everybody. I'm not trying to give you all the details. If you have a bad year in the stock market, you would reduce your withdrawal rate by 10%. Okay, so that's what it is. You've got to get used to reducing the rate if there's a bad year in the market. For instance, last year, you would have reduced your withdrawal rate down 10% from your starting rate, whatever that was. So, but over the long haul, you can, you know, you can withdraw more money on good years, a lot more money than you would if you didn't use this kind of variable timing kind of retirement withdrawals, okay? That's the major benefit. Now, you gotta be careful. There's taxes to concern, depending on if it's a tax-free account, or there's all these other variables. But you know, you can change that withdrawal rate. And I, I mentioned this even if you have a static withdrawal rate of four percent. If you had a really great year in your investments, well, that one year you could bump it up, but then you go back to four percent the very next year. See, so. You know, you don't have to be static necessarily. Static is good because there's no, uh, there's no if and buts or what. You just know what you're going to withdraw every year, and that's it. Okay. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Let's go to Brandon and Ventura. Hi, Brandon. How you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for taking my question. Thank you. I've got a unique situation. I'd love your advice. Uh, so I got a, uh, I know I'm going to have some big purchases. I've got a wedding coming up, and I was able to take a uh, credit card offer with about 15 months of 0% interest. Uh-huh. And um, been carrying a balance now, so I paid for the pre-wedding. That's happening next year. My current balance on it is about $8,400, all 0% interest until June uh, 16th, 2023. So okay. 
what's nice is I have a minimum payment of $34 a month and I have the money to save. I did the math about 8,400 divided by 13 months from now would be about 640 bucks a month. I want to just make the minimum payment from that. And the other $610 I want to either put into, I've got some high yield savings accounts with interest rates going up around 4%. I've thought about CD accounts or I was thinking of either some treasury bills or treasury notes with the $610 every month that I could, you know, after 13 months, I'll pay off the June 16th statement. But in the meantime, in these next 13 months, try to do that $610 a month and get a little bit of something until then. I wanted to get your advice. Well, all that sounds pretty good to me. I I might suggest that since you have 0% interest on the outstanding, outstanding credit balance, you might want to look into see if you can get that 0% interest by moving it to another credit card. See if it's out there. See if they have any of those offers out there. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen people move it around several times just to keep the 0% interest. It's a pain to always have to apply to another credit card, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, some some of them don't like it when you do that, but too bad. Don't make the offer then. But I do like the this money you're saving is for a wedding, right? It's kind of money you're going to need. So you got to keep it pretty liquid. And treasuries, short-term treasuries, is a pretty pretty good pretty good bet because you still make a decent return and it's still very liquid. And I think that your strategy is sound. So uh, I have no problem with that strategy. Sounds good to me. So yeah, you would only want to put in longer-term investments if you know you didn't have to use the money for a wedding or anything else. So I, I, I like right, it. Yeah, no. I, I like it. It's smart thinking, and I think you, you just keep doing it. Okay, Brandon? All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. We have now surpassed 52 million downloads. I think I've mentioned that a diamond, too. And Justin and I want to thank you for that. Next up, I will tackle more listener questions from 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E. Dot com, HackerOne.com.
The stock market is constantly changing. And now, with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. 888-992-4278. And I forgot to ask a trivia question before the break. That was all. I'm going to blame, uh, I'm going to blame, what is it, Josh? Brandon, Brandon. I'm going to blame him, but, but from Venturi, but really it's my fault. Okay. If you are a parent of a student bound for college, and by the way, I'm going to two college graduations this weekend. Two of my nieces are graduating. It might be a good idea if you have one of those kids going to college to check out what the job market's going to be in the future. So can you name four or five types of jobs expected to be the high demand in the next five years? Here's the answer. Now, according to the report from World Economic Forum, WEF, new technologies are changing the landscape of work at a really unprecedented rate. And by 2027, 69 million jobs will be created worldwide. But 83 million roles or jobs are expected to be eliminated. That's a net increase of 14 million jobs, everybody. So their findings are largely based on a survey of 803 companies that employ about 11 million workers in 45 different economies around the world. The rise of generative AI, artificial intelligence, and other smart technologies, as well as the drive to go green, will lead some jobs to soar in demand over the next five years. But others are at risk in becoming obsolete. So you're going to have to be really, really careful. So here's some of the jobs. Here are 10 jobs that businesses expect to grow, Okay. AI and machine learning specialists, sustainability specialists, business intelligence analysts, information security analysts, fintech engineers, data analysts and sciences, robotic engineers, electrotechnological engineers, agriculture and equipment operators, and digital transformation specialists. Did you know the theme in all those at all? Did you? I did. Computers, technology, and you better be very good at running the new tech that's out there. Because that's where the job growths are going to be, in that kind of field. Okay? Um, Now, it's pretty important to note that WEF, the survey, may be weighted towards predicting a growth of tech jobs. Okay? You got to notice that. More than three-quarters of the company surveyed by the WF said they are planning to adopt big data analytics, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, and other emerging technologies. You see PayPal and IBM recently talking about artificial intelligence. You know, that's it, just going to be the future. It's kind of scary that it's going to be the future. Now, didn't mention medical, which I'm surprised. I thought medical technology, medical field would be one one of the top tens, but, you know, maybe not. Let's keep moving along. Let's go to Invest Talk Voice Bank again for a question that came in earlier. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Chris calling from Florida. I just had a quick question regarding the dollar and shorting it or going long the dollar. I was just wondering, like, how you guys go about doing that and what, like, the efficient way for 
a retail investor like myself would be to go about doing that, whether it's, you know, buying some puts or some calls on some indexes that track the dollar and whichever way they're trying to go, um, you kind of go against that or with that. Any insight would be helpful. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do. Have a good one. Well, you might want to look at an ETFs. The ETFs, there is a ETF UUP, which is an exchange-traded fund seeking performance corresponding to the S, uh, Invesco U.S. Dollar Index Bullish Fund Index. Okay, bullish on the dollar. I mean, it's going to go up. There, you can use an ETF. This one's bullish on the dollar. I'm, I'm not sure there might be one that's bearish on the dollar out there. I'm not sure because I'm haven't looked, but you can even short this ETF, which would be bearish. You can short the ETF or go long this ETF, and there you go. It's very simple. It's much simpler than trying to, you know, use uh, options and other kind of leveraged products. This this to go, you can go straight long or short using this ETF if you want to. Okay, but I'm pretty sure for some reason I want to say there's an ETF that shorts the dollar out there. The ETFs, there's so many of them these days, it's hard to keep up with all the different ones that are out there. Let's play two in a row from the Investor Voice Bank. This time is a question that came in earlier from Pennsylvania. Hello, gentlemen. This is Donald. I'm from Pennsylvania. A question for Steve or Justin. Uh, I know we're not supposed to be looking at local banks. I was looking at Bank of Hawaii. It seems to have gone down substantially near the 52-week low. I'm not sure if I want to put it on my watch list, but what event would uh, signal a or tend to signal an all clear for these local banks? Because BOH Bank of Hawaii is the one that I'm looking at, and I've noticed that the increase in population that's in Kona, that's where I have family that lives there, and I spend some of my year, part of my time of the year there. Yeah, so uh, please take a look at that, and I will listen to the answer, and I thank you very much for your help. Have a good day. Okay, this is Bank of Hawaii, B-O-H, out of Honolulu, holding company for Bank of Hawaii operating 54 offices in Hawaii and the Pacific Islands. They make money. They've always made money. They're going to always make money in the future, apparently. And they're growing their sales nicely, 32% in the most recent March quarter. 22% a quarter before that. Before that was 6 and then 3 and then 1. So doing quite well. Pays a 6.8% dividend yield. Return equity is 15%. Uh, it's a $41 stock, going to make $4.38 next year. That's about 20% less than last year. Okay, so what I'm saying is it looks really healthy, but there's always that but. And I've been talking about banks for some time, and one of the problems we have is the U.S. lenders, U.S. lenders warn that commercial property is next shoe to drop. And this is an article from Financial Times. It's an article in there. You might want to pick, look that up and read that article. Banks are most exposed. They have not started to mark down real estate prices. Some of the states that are the worst, San Francisco, some of the cities, San Francisco and New York, a more, more majority of these banks have tightened credit standards for commercial loans. And this is a $1.6 billion banks, billions dollar size bank, so it's not very big. So it's, it's I don't know what their loan portfolio looks like if it's got a lot of uh, 
they did charge off. Now that was not too long ago. We we don't know. You asked what what do we know? What are we looking for for the know that it, that it's over with? The damage to the banking engine is over. With. I would say until the next. It's going to be a couple of years until we know the size of the commercial loan shoe that is going to be dropping. Until we know at the maximum worst news on that hitting all the banks, that would be when you'd want. To invest in the banks. Of course, no one rings a bell at the bottom. No one tells you, okay, this is it. And I don't know for sure, but that shoe hasn't dropped yet. So I would stay away from banks next year or two, or at least small and mid-sized banks. I'd stay away from them. Just not my, my, just not my idea of a good place to be in this environment we're in. Okay, the SEC is coming down on crypto ex- cryptocurrency exchanges. 2022, okay, big tricks, uh, bit tricks uh, uh, has been forced into bankruptcy. In 2022, there have the, these cryptocurrency platforms all file for bankruptcy FTX, Celsius, Network Voyager, Digital, Three Arrows, Digital Three Arrows, Cat. Uh, Capital, Digital Three Arrows Capital, okay, sorry, um, and BlockFi. Okay, the, and the SEC is sued in Bit, Bitrix. So, because they're saying they're offering, uh, 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 all, these exchanges are offering um, equities type offerings that are controlled by the SEC. See, even if they're not, even if these banks prove that they're not, these they're going to get they're going to get the FCC's SEC is going to come down on them, and they're going to be so costly trying to defend themselves. Most of these are going to go under. And I've told you before, most of the cryptocurrencies are going to disappear. There, and I'm pretty convinced, not all of them. There's going to be winners, okay, but. Do you realize at one point last year there was like 10,000 cryptocurrencies out there? That's ridiculous. That's not gonna, they're not going to all survive. And everybody thinks that, well, I can buy them for 10 cents and then I'll sell it for 15 cents when it goes up. That's a 50%. Or it might double. It might 100 times. might go to a dollar. And that's all gambling, everybody. It's not investing. If you want to gamble, that's okay. But you have to realize that's what you're doing. And I am staying completely away from cryptocurrencies, any kind, myself. I just don't like the risk. I like, I like, I like more sound investing than in that. Okay? But I do believe what I think is going to happen someday is the federal government is going to come out with its own cryptocurrency at some point. We'll see. Or maybe it'll adopt one of the bigger ones like Bitcoin. I don't know. I don't know. This is talk. We have now surpassed 52 million downloads. And, of course, we've mentioned that several times, and I want to thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Justin, I really do appreciate it. Next up, I will tackle another caller question, so just hang on. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, When it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download, 24-7, rain or shine. The InvestTalk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, 
Can I have your opinion on owning some big energy stocks like Exxon or Chevron versus owning this ETF XLE? Thank you so much. Well, XLE is the Energy Select Sector Spider uh, Exchange Rate of Unseeking Performance corresponding to the S&P Energy Select Sector Index. And that means you're going to have a lot of different energy companies in there. Okay, and therefore that will... You know, it, at one, uh, in some sense, that's good because you're diversifying over a bunch of companies. And at some, in some, at some respects, it's bad because you're, you're, you're investing in, uh, uh, companies that may be poorly ran or not be successful because it indexes a broad number of companies. I like Exxon and Chevron both because I like the dividends. You know me, if you've listened to me, uh, I'm a dividend guy. Now, the problem is, is both these stocks have done very well, and Exxon's dividend now is only 3.3%. I think that's a, not the best. And Chevron's dividend, dividend as you mentioned, is 38 But take a look at their charts, and you see they've done very, very well in the last year or two, uh, especially with their dividend payments. <laughs> So I, I like the energy. People think uh, oil and natural gas is, you know, not the energy of the future. And I happen to disagree. I think uh, it's going to be around 50 years from now these these companies will still be here. You know, I, I realize that we'll have a lot of electric cars, but you got a big world out there. And as more economies and societies get um, stronger, they're going to need more and more energy. Okay, and I understand a lot of it will be clean energy. I understand that, and it's true. But they'll need more than clean energy is not the solution yet that it can maybe in the future because you can't you can't have across your landscape solar panels enough to power everything you need. You know, uh, wind wind is so unpredictable. And these are very expensive energy solutions right now. Very expensive. And natural gas and oil are not expensive, comparatively speaking. Okay, let's squeeze in one more if we can. 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Rick from Colorado. Love your show. My question is about Haynes brand, HBI. Looks like they cut their dividend, which was pretty healthy. And what do you think? It's fell quite a bit today. Do we wait or what do we do? All right, thank you. Okay, this is Haynes Brand, makes t-shirts, bras, panties, men's underwear, kids' underwear, socks, hosiery, casual wear, active brand. A $1.4 billion company, uh, it's uh, selling for $4.21, it's going to make $0.63 cents next year after making $0.28 cents this year, but it made $0.98 cents a share last year. So from $0.98 cents a share down to twenty eight is a pretty big hit, and that made the stock go down $20 down to now $4.20. Now, $0.63, cents, that means that the P.E. is going to be pretty low, uh, um, uh, probably 7-ish, 7 going for us. But the five-year range, it's low, 4 to 15. Their range has always been low, so it's not at the low. Return on equity is very high, 62%, which is very good, but they have a lot of debt, a lot of debt, and I don't like that part. Sales have been falling for four quarters in a row. I probably would stay away from it myself. I, you know, Mutual funds have been uh, sellers for the last year. 
uh, it does not have a good enough prospects for me at this point. Maybe when it gets down to a dollar, maybe $2 a share, then I might take a shot at then. But at this price, even though it's gone from $20 down to 4 you say you think it's, oh, that's really cheap now. No. Remember, stocks are only cheap compared to their earnings. And the range of the what those earnings provide in a P.E. ratio. So what's the price compared to their earnings? This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And we have one goal here, and we have the same goal all the time. And that's to help you achieve financial freedom. Remember, financial freedom. You got to talk about that if you don't know what that means. And of course, we'll continue right after this break. So get your questions in. 888-99-CHART. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, love the show. I have a two-part question. This is stock SSWM, First Foundations Inc. First part is, what is your opinion of the stock? I've been following it. Looks like it's down uh, in the low $4 range. And the second question is, if you have money in a bank account that's above the FDIC amount, is there a way to protect it? I read something about a payable on death beneficiary, so I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if it can do multiple POD beneficiaries in the same account, and that'll break up the 250 Love the show. We'll listen in for the answer. Thank you. Okay, you mentioned 250000 as the FDIC insurance limit, and uh, there are a few things you can do. If you're married, you can have an account in your personal name for 250000 your spouse's name for 250000 and a joint account for 250000 and you have 750000 coverage. Or And if you have a trust, another 250000 if you have the name of the trust. That's one way to do it, but if you're just a single person – um, I would suggest you go to a different bank, 250 in this one and 250 in another one. I did that for several years, you know, moving, having money that way uh, just to avoid, you know, hitting the limit. And yeah, it's not that difficult to do, you know. I mean, back then I was using some of that money, some of my money for CDs. Okay, this particular company, First Foundation, is a very tiny bank, therefore very risky, $244 million market cap. Way too risky for me. It's going to make $0.51 cents this year after making $2 last year. Next year, it's going to make $1.18, and it's a $4.33 stock that was uh, at the beginning of the year, beginning of last year was a $20 stock, uh, 20, almost $26, almost $28 stock, okay? Uh, this year... It fell to about $16, $17, and now it's crashed with the banking crisis we've seen, semi-crisis anyways. Uh, so the question, well, is it cheap enough? What kind? It's a bank that has offices in California and Nevada, and what, as I said many times, what is on its balance sheet? Huh? What are the loans like? Okay, um, my biggest issue with this company is it's got a, you know, a goodly amount of debt. Sales growth is very strong. It's paying a 1.8% dividend. I'm not sure why they're doing that on such a small um, bank. Uh, management was 10%. I like that a lot. Mutual funds have been net sellers in the last year. 
Uh, as I said before, stay away from banks. That's my advice at this point. Okay? 888-99-CHART, everybody. Apple issued a five-part bond offering worth about $5.25 billion. And Apple has tons and tons of cash. So why do they offer the 5.25? Well, it gives them financial, a lot of financial uh, flexibility. That's why. Some of these bonds are 30-year bonds. What's interesting is this week there's been $22.5 billion worth of fresh bond debt issued by, what, about 13, 14 different companies. Two companies, T-Mobile and Merck, T-Mobile issued $3.5 billion and Merck $6 billion. Now, why are they doing this? These companies don't necessarily need this money. They like the flexibility the money gives them. That's for sure. Why? Well, I think it has something to do with inflation. We got some inflation numbers coming out this week, and there's been hints that it's higher than the gov- the, the Fed is comfortable with, and maybe the Fed's going to raise rates again. Another quarter point, maybe. Wasn't that going to cost? That means that interest rate's going up. So maybe these big companies are saying, we're going to issue these bonds Why we can issue them and at a lower rates because we can get some pretty decent rates uh, for the cash flow and the for free financial freedom to give us. And maybe we can pay higher rate that, that down. Those kinds of things. It's, it's all company specific. You know, you can't, you don't know exactly what they're going to do with the money unless they announce what they're going to do with the money. And Apple, Apple did say what they're going to do with money, but it was so many things they were going to do with the money that you just don't, well, which one is really the real main reason? They don't tell you that. You know, most times they don't, which is frustrating for people like me, <laughs> but that's how it works. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investor program. Had a great time, everybody. Thank you for all your calls. Justin and I really do want to thank you for listening. And again, we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about us. That really helps us. It's all free. Our podcast downloads are free. You can get yours at any time at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you do get it at to iTunes, you download it from iTunes, please give us a rating. We would love that. Thank you. Remember to follow Invest Talk on social media. Follow us. Invest Talk is with two T's. Invest Talk, no spaces. And when you like or tag us, it helps everyone in the Invest Talk community. We appreciate that. Independent, independent thinking, share success. This is Invest Talk. Good night, everybody. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial.